Today, we have Jason Mendelson, also known as Superman HPV, joining us to talk about his journey through HPV tonsil cancer and how he got into his survivor mode. So Jason, welcome to the show. Sure, and thanks for having me today. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can. Okay, and if I go too long, just let me know that. So no. I really appreciate being able to share my story and help others. Um, so I was 44 years old. I was leading a busy life like most people, right? I've been married around 17 years. My boy-girl twins were 12. My son was six. I was traveling 50 to 70 hours a week. I was just busy with life, you know, trying to be a great dad, husband, working. It was a Thursday. I was taking a financial exam. I put my hand on my face to ponder a question. It was for um, the life insurance industry. That's the industry we work within. Moved my hand down to my neck and felt a bump. So unlike today where I have a shaved head and a beard, back then I had not a lot of hair, but no beard. And that bump, I had never felt before. That's important because I had literally shaved every day, every other day, and it appeared out of nowhere. I remember thinking at the time, I don't have time to think about dying right now. I need to pass this test, which I did. An hour later, went and saw my father, who's a physician. And I said, what is this? He said, let's call your ear, nose, and throat doctor. We did. He said, you don't smoke you don't drink heavily, come see me in a few weeks. I'm like, great, I'll be there on Monday because I'm a guy that goes to the doctor, which is probably lesson number one for any anyone listening. Go to the doctor, don't think it's not manly to go to the doctor, go. Okay. Went to the doctor, they put me, they looked at my neck, they put me on 10 days of antibiotics and steroids. They said in a slight chance it doesn't go away, we're immediately gonna schedule you for a needle biopsy and CAT scan. I didn't even hear that. Just so we're clear, I was, I just lost 20 plus pounds. I felt extremely healthy, no pain, just this little bump. I left two days later for the Florida Keys where I literally ran the equivalent of a 5K, partied with friends, my wife, you know, all of us together. Left that Sunday yes. for, um, for DC, Washington DC, where I lobbied on Capitol Hill, flew home and on Wednesday. Wow. Thursday had a CAT scan, Friday had a needle biopsy. Monday found out I had stage four HPV related tonsil cancer. So this is in a span of a week. Yeah, it was, it was just quick oh from goodness. the time I found the bump. No, no. Cause I was on 10 days. Like, so I left, okay. I came back and then they scheduled the needle biopsy and CAT scan. So it was probably 10 days. But the point being really is that I had never heard of HPV related tonsil cancer I had never, I knew HPV had something to do with a virus, but I knew nothing. And yeah. I felt incredibly healthy. So just to be quick about that, I, um, I didn't even know. It's like someone like living a normal life and all of a sudden they find out they have cancer and there's no symptoms. That was my deal. So I go to this appointment, find out I have cancer and it, cancer was always something that other people had, right? It was like the parents of a friend. Mm -hmm. someone's child, sadly, or someone I knew, but it just wasn't something I had. All of a sudden, I'm the guy that has cancer. Um, my wife and my father were in the room and I found out I was devastated. I was shocked. I couldn't believe it, you know, just to not to be too emotional. But if I'm not sure your your listeners will know who these people are, but 
our family is like a cross between the Waltons from years ago, like the Waltons that say goodnight, yes. John Boy, the Waltons, yes. and my big fat Greek wedding. So <laughs> if, if you combine those two families, sprinkled Judaism on top, that's us. So we are oh. highly connected. My brother, so I'm president of our family business. My brother is CEO. My sister's EVP. Father's on the board. We're a 30-person firm. Um, my brother is my next door neighbor. We share a backyard. So we're always together. And so to think that I had cancer, I'll be honest, I, I knew obviously it was devastating to my wife and to my um, father. And everyone knows that parents love their oldest kid the most. So I was worried about how that would impact him. But um, I talked to my parents all day long, right? Like throughout the day, yeah. siblings, every, and I'm like, all of a sudden I have cancer. And all I could think about was who's going to be there? My wife obviously would be there, but they're not going to be able to speak to me. Mm -hmm. If I pass away, it's just, it was honestly emotionally crippling. I was so worried about how my cancer would impact others that, that it was really mentally preoccupying. It was like mental gymnastics for me. And I know that's a topic for today, right? Mm -hmm. How we handle things. So I get diagnosed um, on the ride home. I call my two life insurance agents and I'm like, can you please make sure my life insurance is on automatic draft? I handle my finances and I need to make sure that my wife and kids are taken care of. God forbid I pass away. Called my friend who's a radiation oncologist. And I said, I'm becoming your patient. He goes, Jason, what are you talking about? I just saw you a few weeks ago. I go, just got diagnosed with cancer. Oh, um, I, I, I do want to add that when I said stage four HPV related tonsil cancer, um, today, had I been diagnosed like after 2017, I would have been stage one because they downgraded the staging. But back then, 2014, um, I was stage four. So it was scary. Um, I found out that I was going to need a radical tonsillectomy and neck dissection. So 42 lymph nodes removed from my neck. I have a scar that runs from the bottom of my right ear to the center of my throat. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to need seven weeks of chemo, radiation, and a feeding tube, which I had all of that. Um, to tell you a little bit about that, when you go through radiation to the throat, they make a mask that's form-fitted to your face. And then when you go through radiation, they literally clip your head down. You lay on your back, they clip your head down to a table for the six to 10 minutes, uh -huh. which at first was just you know a little bit claustrophobic feeling. It wasn't great. Um, but it was my way to beat cancer. But at first I didn't actually realize I was going to beat it because if you back then asked people about HPV related or pharyngeal cancer, meaning tongue, throat, tonsil, no one knew about it, right? Like literally I never had a friend diagnosed with it. It wasn't like lung cancer, breast cancer, colon cancer, not to minimize those cancers. They're all significant, right. but literally no one had it. I'd searched online and the only person I saw that had throat cancer was Michael Douglas. Mm -hmm. um, and after a while, people, that was like the number one question I got asked for years, is that what Michael Douglas had? So I always told people, it's the one thing he and I have in common outside of our love for <laughs> Catherine Zeta-Jones. It was like a quick <laughs> answer because I, I, right. it was the question I always got asked first, foremost. So um, a few weeks into treatment, quite honestly, I started getting burns in my throat mm -hmm. and I was so tired and I could cry thinking about it. I literally, um, after like four weeks was in bed 18 hours a day. Um, again, not to make light of it, but I, I tell everybody I got to watch seven years of Lost in two and a half weeks because I was in bed. So I was like watching TV all the time. Binge watching, I, yeah. I was so tired though. Like for a guy that gets up 
five and six in the morning and works till 11 o'clock, whether it's family work, whatever. Um, I was too tired to get out of bed, to shower, to go to the bathroom. It was just exhausting. I couldn't walk steps. Um, a few weeks in, I made videos to my kids saying goodbye. Mm -hmm. They went something like this. One day you're going to get married. I'm not going to be there. This is what's important. And, and again, back to what our family being like the Waltons and, right. and, and my big fat Greek wedding. I mean, literally I was concerned. I, I didn't want to have kids that thought about their parents dying. Right. That was like my wife's number one job. And I've known my wife since I was a little kid. Um, although we started dating in my twenties, late twenties. Um, but her job was, and our job was to keep our kids alive lives as normal as possible, right? We don't want our kids worrying that dad's mm -hmm. going to die of cancer, let them go to their activities. And thank goodness we had a, a nice friend and family support team system. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, survived. I mean, I could, actually, let me touch on the side effects. Um, I'll be quick about that. So yeah. not to be too no, descriptive. It's good, but... to, it's good to talk about it, you know? So I ended up with um, third degree burns in my throat. Mm-hmm. I had saliva so thick that I couldn't swallow it. In fact, every day I would be spitting into a large slurpy sized cup. And at the first time I did that, I went to pour it into the sink in my bathroom and it didn't go down the drain. The saliva was that thick, oh. right? I mean, it yeah. was that thick. Literally I had to scoop it out and dump it in the trash toilet oh. or whatever. Um, I had a feeding tube. So I had, you know, five insurers a day, two Gatorades a day through that feeding tube, my medicine through the feeding tube, because I literally couldn't swallow. It was like someone broke a glass bottle and shoved the shards of glass into my throat. I had sores inside my mouth. And radiation is the gift that keeps on giving, meaning it's like a sunburn on top of a sunburn on top of a sunburn. And many people that go through it with other cancers understand what that's like. Well, take that skin feeling and then put that in the inside of your throat, right? It's, it's not mm -hmm. like just rubbing ointment on it. It's debilitating. Um, I was getting dehydrated. The reason I got the feeding tube is because I asked my doctor, what's the number one thing that could go wrong? He says, you can end up dehydrated and end up in the hospital. So I said, I'll take a feeding tube. Um, I never threw up. I never had diarrhea and I was never sweating yet. I was getting dehydrated almost every day because the fluid, because the third degree burns were sucking the fluid from the inside out. So I constantly was taking my blood pressure really like 30 to 50 times a day. Cause I could see when my heart was working harder that I was getting dehydrated. So it knew to put fluid into my feeding tube. Mm -hmm. I was gagging and choking 30 to 60 times a day. I mean, honestly, it was, it was exhausting. We can speed through that. So August 11, <laughs> 2014, I ring the bell. Yes. Finished treatment. I'm like, hallelujah, I'm done. Life's going to get better. However, as smart as I was, I forgot the radiation, again, gifts that keeps on giving in the next two weeks were the worst yet because my last treatment, everything became, you know, it was cumulative. So I made it through those two weeks. Um, later on, I'll touch on this a little bit more, but I created a cancer calendar that, that showed how much treatment I had been through, what I had left. I started from the last one and counted down. Initially, I was counting up and mm -hmm. someone gave me the idea saying, hey, put all of it on there and then put X's through and count down. So you can yes. see you're making progress. Mm -hmm. um, and I did that. And it honestly gave me hope um, through sharing my story. People always tell me that they feel alone before they hear my story, that they're happy. Mm -hmm. I went public. Um, so made it through treatment um, little by little 
started getting a little bit of my saliva back. You know, I'm fortunate that I got um, really like probably like 85% of my saliva back, whereas some mm -hmm. people don't get any. Um, even with that being said, if you gave me a muffin and said, I'll give you a million dollars to eat this muffin without liquid, I can't do it. So till, uh, till this day, you can't, it, it's difficult. It's difficult to swallow like very dense um, food like that. Well, correct. So even if yeah. I were to floss my teeth, if I ate a chocolate muffin and I floss my teeth and brush my teeth and gargled, I could mm -hmm. still spit out chocolate because, oh my goodness. because I have scar tissue in my throat wow. where things can get stuck. So again, even though people are, say, tell me I look good, and I don't mm -hmm. mean that in, the, in, the, in an arrogant way. They say it like they can't believe I had cancer because they can't see the scar very well anymore. Um, but there's things, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like all cancer survivors have things. Right. If I, ever, if I ever go to have a tooth extracted, I need to go into a hyperbaric chamber three days before to make sure I have good blood flow to, to my jaw to make sure that my jaw doesn't crack. I need <sighs> to, I gargle every morning with hot water in the shower and, um, you know, I, I believe that my wife thinks that gargling sound is sexy because it makes me feel good to say that, but she's used to it. I cough, phlegm out. Um, for the first few years, I'm starting again. I use fluoride gel trays every uh -huh. night to keep my teeth strong because saliva, which many people, I didn't know before this, but saliva keeps your mouth clean. Yes. And lack of yes. saliva can create a lot of infections. So right, because it's, it's dry. People... Mm -hmm. The dryness. So, um, <clears throat> correct. Um, and I sit fluid all day long. And, 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 you know, and I have the same concerns that other cancer survivors have, um, mm -hmm. you know, God forbid cancer is coming back, comes back. Yeah. Um, I get a bump someplace on my body, no matter where it is, I go see a doctor to make sure it's not cancer. Um, but that's good. Like, that's proactive measures. I mean, you took a proactive measure, you know, when you found that immediately, you know, some people would delay, but I mean, you know, going back to your treatment, right? You, I mean, the, the harsh and intense treatment that you received from radiation to chemo and the scar tissue and unable to, you know, swallow and eat. I mean, you had a feeding tube. I mean, uh, through that, I mean, just listening to it, I am already, it's just, I, I just can't, you know, how did you get through it? I mean, really emotionally and mentally, how did you really get through each of those days of treatment? I knew you mentioned the counting down of, you know, the, the treatments and some other things, but really, I mean, your perspective, your positive, I mean, how emotionally did you get through this? Yeah, let me, so let me give you a, um, it's probably gonna be a longer answer. Um, yeah. But so I was raised by, by good parents who taught me good mental strength um, and my wife is very positive also, or like a positive family. My dad, though, had significant arthritis and other health issues growing up, and he always, he wasn't a complainer, right? Mm. We found the best in each day. So when I got diagnosed with this, I did have someone, one of my client's daughters was diagnosed with um, throat cancer, tongue cancer earlier, like years earlier, and she would text me every day and say, you're going to be okay. Oh. You're going to be okay, because I couldn't talk. And that is a lot that dealt with some of my advocacy that I do now, um, it was really important to me at the time that someone who'd been through it was telling me I was gonna be okay. Mm -hmm. um, also, you know, when I would go through radiation, I always tell people, find your happy place. And for me, when I would close my eyes, even though I was clipped onto a table with machines surrounding me and, and they played music that was on my iPhone at the time, um, I closed my eyes and I would think about being on a beautiful beach where there was no sunburn, where the water was was comfortable, where all my relatives were, 
even the ones that had passed away, but they were back and they were healthy. And it was my happy spot. And every time I would tell you, I became very good at separating my mind from my body. So my body had to go through it. If I was going to be cancer, right. I had to go through the treatment, but I did not spend every day thinking about I'm gagging and choking. I did not spend every day thinking about I can barely, um, no, this is just audio, but choking up here. Um, I did not spend every day thinking about how am I going to get to the shower or the bathroom? What am mm -hmm. I going to do about the sores in my mouth? I did not focus. My body had to go through it. I focused on where do I want to be after I beat cancer? What can I accomplish? Who can I help by sharing my story? Um, so when I, um, give me a second. Yes. So when I look at videos of my kids, I, today I look at videos and pictures and I picture myself not being in those pictures and videos. Meaning when I, when I talk about it sometimes, but I say like when my kids graduated high school and they're now mm -hmm. juniors in college and my son's in ninth grade, but I, I remember like I've shared it, um, like something my daughter would have said or my son, mm -hmm. dad would have been so proud of us, right? He would have been so proud of us had I not been present. Mm -hmm. And so I think being able to separate your mind from your body, knowing that, hey, my body has to go through it. Just close your eyes and think of where you'll be, where your happy spot is. I think it's key and critical and not hanging around people that make you feel concerned, worried. Do not hang around people that talk about cancer all day long and all the people they know that didn't make it. Like for me, it was surrounding myself with, with positivity, separating my mind from my body, thinking of where I want to be, you know, whatever the happy spot is. For some people, it might be being in a park. Others, it might be being at the orchestra. Others could be being on a roller coaster, whatever that is. Right. For me, it was the beach. And um, so I think that really is really important. And I know there are people that have been through worse than I, I was going through mm -hmm. and they did fine. And as I made it through treatment, and the end was the hardest. I'll be honest. It was my head was clipped onto a table. I couldn't I couldn't swallow my saliva. Right? Don't forget, right. saliva so thick. It was like being waterboarded. Probably I don't right. know what that's like, but head clipped down, can't swallow. Going to sleep at night, waking up two minutes later because the thick saliva had covered the breathing way. So I was, it was like someone was choking me. Choking. Wow. Um, but every time I would get up, I'd be like, you know what? This is temporary. And that's probably one of the most important things for people that are listening. At least for this cancer and ones that are similar is that what you're going through is temporary. And if it's temporary, you can handle it. And so I think That's between great advice, that really is great advice. And I think it's actually um, good advice, not just for cancer patients, but I will tell you people that struggle financially, or if you're struggling at work or you're struggling wherever, I mean, again, I don't want to take this detour this too much, but I think that idea of what you're going through is temporary can make anything bearable, whether it's health related or not. And so that was, that was my path because I knew that as I got towards the end of treatment and things got worse and then better, I'm like, I can help people and show people how to do, or at least guide them as, you know, as I survive as I survived, because when I searched for information online, and that's what led to me, you know, creating the website, supermanhpv.com. When I searched online, it was all about people with their teeth falling out, jaws cracking, bad hearing loss. And there wasn't something that created 
inspiration and information. So I decided to create this website. Do you mind if I jump into that or am I yeah. too? Yeah. So no, I, or do you well, tell I me wanna, you're guiding I want to, I want to let the listeners know that um, not only does he have, he's thinking about his happy place, he's talking about his happy place. You have a background right now going with a beach background. So those of you who can't see it, he actually has a background with a beautiful beach. So I think he's trying to, you know, give us the happy place right now. So I'm, I'm actually very happy seeing the background. So this is, this is awesome. And I love the fact that, you know, you were positive. You had a great support group with your family and your friends. I mean, just that perspective of, you know, thinking that this is very temporary, you know, this is temporary. You'll, you know, that this whole part is temporary. And the fact that you thought of a happy place, I mean, radiation, people don't realize if you've never gone through radiation, you, they tell you to sit still, like still. And you're like, how do I sit still or, you know, lay still or whatever you're doing trapped with the mask on? I mean, let's just imagine this. You have a mask over your face. You're pretty much bound to this table and you can't swallow, as you said. And all you could do is just think about this happy place. So I, 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 I'm just astounded by that and just the treatment you had to go through and all of that. And you're here now. And I know that, you know, we were talking about this, but, you know, now you've gone through all your treatment. You're done. And that was in August um, in 2014, right? right? So now how we're 2022. So tell us like life after cancer. I mean, there isn't really life, you know, the cancer never stops. As you said, you mentioned before, like any bump, anything, the anxiety goes up, but after all the treatments done, you know, talk about the life after, you know, what have you been doing? How do you, you know, I know that you, you mentioned Superman HPV and your advocacy. So let's, let's go into that. So thank you. So I'll, hopefully this is, it seems as sincere as I mean it without the video for people, but um, so I'm not, I don't think of myself as a superhero. I don't have a Superman complex. I'm not a, you know, I, I'm not an egomaniac. What took place was that my friends started calling me Superman, bringing me a Superman figure, a Superman shirt. And um, they said I was tough like Superman. So back to the idea, I thought, you know what? When I got diagnosed, I'd never heard of this cancer ever. So I went online and, and, and I found that Superman HPV was available. I, so I bought this website and said, I'm going to create something awesome, something that provides inspiration, information. I've said this a lot for those diagnosed and or researching HPV, the HPV vaccine or HPV related cancers. And I'm going to inspire and encourage people. And that's what I'm going to do because I couldn't find it. And so I launched this website. Well, within, I will tell you, I think it was like within a, a month or so, yeah. just to mention it, an NBC News reporter writing an article in HPV found my website, called me and said, can I include your article? I mean, include your website. I'm That's like, great. okay. Within, you know, hours of that, of that um, mm -hmm. being published, the article, um, 10 people contacted me throughout the country stating, thank you so much for sharing your story. I no longer feel alone. The next day I reach out to this person. I said, thank you so much for writing the article. She goes, Jason, NBC Nightly News is likely going to contact you. 500,000 people read the article. Wow, 500,000. I'll, I'll speed through this, but at the end of the day, my family ended up on NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. Uh, we were interviewed, it went national. I realized I could make a difference and help people. People were reaching out from everywhere. People wanted to know why I wasn't embarrassed. And again, we don't 
because of the HP, the stigma with HPV. Right. Learned that three out of four adults by 30 have this 62% of freshmen in college and that men between 40 and 60 are the most highly diagnosed decades after being exposed. So I decided why would I be embarrassed if three out of four adults by 30 have it? Mm-hmm. And I even had a woman who once um, came up to me who had HPV and she, she whispered to me that she was diagnosed with HPV. And I'm like, you don't need to whisper. This woman was ashamed about having HPV. I'm like three out of four adults by 30 have this. And she didn't know. She thought it was just her. And she was, so I will tell you, I went public, decided I would stand at the, on the top of the highest mountain and hopefully choked up again, um, hopefully be able to stop other parents from ever having to make videos to their kids saying goodbye because of the HPV vaccine that could protect our sons and daughters, not just daughters, sons and daughters from HPV preventable cancers. To speed through what took place over the last few years, because I know we have time, limited time, um, I'm on the executive board of the Head and Neck Cancer Alliance, and I've done that for years, and I'm part of their ambassador program to help with other cancer survivors. I probably speak with two to four survivors from all over the world, cancer Mm -hmm. uh, patient survivors, caregivers every week. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm everywhere. I um, try to help as many people as I can. But again, it's not about me. I don't care about being famous. I just feel sharing my story can help people. Um, I spoke at a congressional briefing and um, a few years ago to increase HPV vaccination rates and eliminate HPV preventable cancers. I have, you know, have my cancer story. I think I said it earlier, but shared in over hundred countries I'm doing something now um, with the American Academy of Pediatrics and dental associations. And at the end of the day, I had the pleasure and I, and I can be faster or slower than you, whatever you're looking for. Yeah. Um, Obviously, I met Tamika years ago, and um, she's a huge, you know, as far as I'm concerned, role model to me as someone who's changed lives and saved lives forever. Like, she's been around a lot longer than me, and she's inspired me to do the most that I can. Um, so my life today, I will add that I do work out, and I don't work out just to look good, but I really want to hopefully encourage other cancer survivors that they too, or patients or caregivers, whoever, that they too can beat this, lead their best life, accomplish goals, inspire and encourage others, that you don't need to be diagnosed with cancer and go hide in a dark corner. Do what you have to do, do everything you can to beat this, whatever it is, and then go live life. Do not sit there and get worried and because we all worry, right? Like I already told you, I worry now it's gonna come back. Knock on wood, knocking on wood. It's like makes me yes. crazy, right? I mean, I don't want it to come back and 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 feel like I have a lot to do. I want to have my cancer story shared in as many languages as possible on all seven continents to save lives worldwide. It's like a goal of mine. But so I'm working back, to, you know, I've been working forever, years, 50 to 70 hours a week. Um, date night with my wife, Aww. kids in, heavily involved with all my with all my kids, three kids. And um serve on multiple boards, whether it's the Head and Neck Cancer Alliance, the HPV Cancers Alliance, done stuff with the American, you know, with the American Cancer Society's HPV Roundtable, speaking today, um, IPVS, the International Papillomavirus Society. I mean, I do a lot of stuff. Right. And I'd, I'd like to do more within the college environment, just to tell you also, we're going to do something huge among universities regarding HPV awareness. Oh, but that's um, great. But my life is good honestly i think it's great and it's it's you know organizations like yours and podcasts like this 
that I'm hoping that if I keep sharing my story, that even if it just saves one life, mm -hmm. whoever, you know, there's people that will listen to this podcast that may have never known anything about or pharyngeal cancer, which, you know, meaning tongue, throat, tonsil, H mine's HPV related. But so I'm hoping that through doing things like this, um, working together with organizations like yours that we can save lives. So that's kind of a recap of the last, well, you know, eight years, if that's okay. Yeah, no, your story and your journey is such an inspiration. And I'm so happy to have you on the show because, you know, we've always talked to HPV and cervical cancer and their HPV related cancers. There's so many, it's not just cervical. And I really want to touch base on that. And that's why we wanted to have you on the show. And we're so thankful for you to share your story because one, it inspires others. And the fact that, you know, like you said, you were inspired by Tamika. I was inspired by Tamika. And that's why I joined um, the group and the podcast um, and coming on and trying to have, you know, the, the listeners really connect with us, you know, connect with our stories, be inspired, be motivated by our stories and really, you know, also empower them, you know, not only to take care of their health, but also, you know, to support others. You know, we have so many caregivers, like you said, I mean, you had a huge support system, you know, and and thinking about that, you know, like you said, live your life afterwards. I love that you said, live your life, you know, don't be afraid. And maybe even think about going to that happy place that you really, you know, you pictured throughout that whole type of treatment, you know, really go to that happy place and physically go there. And, you know, that could be such a celebration moment for everyone to just be there and celebrate life. Um, so I thank you so much for sharing your story and your incredible work. I mean, I'm so excited to hear about the college. Um, you know, can you give us a little taste of what's going on? You know, is it is it um, during the summer? Are we doing college related course? Are you going to be spring breaking it with the kids? What's going on? So here? no, the spring breaking <laughs> it part. No, 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 no. It's not like that. Um, you know what? So just to be quick, and it, it could take 24 months, but I think it's going to be faster than that. Okay. Um, I'm not sure you're familiar with hologram technology. I know that sounds a little mysterious. Okay, like so the, the the whole like remember at, uh, what is it Coachella? They had Tupac. I mean, is so the I have shared my story hologram style. So <gasps> one of my friends runs um, a program at the University of Central Florida in Orlando, okay. and we're going to have a large screening. And and she's actually had me in her classroom as a hologram speaking to her students. I mean. It, <laughs> regarding wow. you know sharing my story so i'm gonna work, work i'm my hope and plan would be that 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 other survivors will share their story hologram style and that we will create a program at ucf in orlando that actually could be duplicated throughout universities world um nationwide and um so that's one of the many things i'm excited about that um just you know again being able to help people yes um, you know life's busy already if anyone tells me they're busier than me um, I just smile because I think we're all busy, but if we can just take a little bit of time and fit into that busyness, helping others, protecting people, mm -hmm. um, I think it's, as far as I'm concerned, a parent's job is to protect their kids. And if I can do that, whether it's through protecting my own kids, sharing my story or helping kids in a university or in a other setting, um, learn information that helps them protect themselves, um, I, th I think it's powerful. So again, that's what I'm excited about, um, impacting as many lives as possible. You see, you are super Ben because you're going to protect the world. It's not just your kids. Now you have your cape just around the world. So I'm so excited, and I can't wait to see the videos of it, of this hologramic Jason in a classroom setting. Like I'm really actually stoked about this. 
Um, well, thank you. So thank you so much for being on this uh, podcast episode. We're so excited to have you. And if anyone is interested, you know, check out his website. It's it's a correct from www.supermanhpv.com, right? Yes, so and I will that. tell you this, and I know Tamika's going to think this is <laughs> incredibly unnecessary. Um, I will tell you, no one's ever abused it, what I'm about to tell you. No one's ever abused it ever. But if you're a cancer survivor, patient, or caregiver, or you know someone that needs to chat about this, my cell phone number, which is the same number I've had forever, 407-782-5614, 407-782-5614, never been abused. I literally get texts from people all over the world. Um, yes, my email address, jason at supermanhpv.com, Facebook, supermanhpv. Um, and I'm more than happy for anyone to reach out for me if I can help them or do something like this to bring awareness to their whoever, their, their circle. Um, happy to do it. And this was a joy, by the way, you're, you're terrific. Oh, um, thank you so as a host, much. Jason. So thank you. Thank you. So we're, for our listeners, we'll definitely include his information in the details. Um, uh, you know, and so you can chat with him, get to know Jason and connect with Jason um, on all his platforms, including his cell phone now. So thank you again, Jason, for being on the show. And we're so excited. And you are truly an inspiration to all. So thank you for your work. Thank you for your advocacy. And thank you for being our Superman. Thank you for having me. Really very much appreciate it. Take care. Our goal with this podcast is to create a platform to lend support, to share our stories, to spread awareness, and to create the change that we want to see. Ending cervical cancer is within our reach. So we are continuing to shine a very bright light on this cause. My ultimate hope is that you will be inspired, empowered, and feel more connected through our guests and their stories. Join the conversation by using the hashtag Survivor Podcast. Let us know what you think. If you connect with the guest, if a story moved you, we want to know. If you'd like to be featured on the Survivor Podcast or have an idea for a future episode, send us an email at info at survivor.org. Connect with me and survivors across the world on our social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.